Hey, the last time we were together, uh, I was younger. Now, not really. You know, it's been about three months uh, since I officially became Medicare man. I hit the big six five. But you know, even at this age, you still remember lessons that you, you learned early in life. One of my jobs as a kid on the farm, uh, besides the real work of being out in the field, was to mow the yard. Just happened there was a really busy springs work. We were running behind. But mom made the announcement that morning. She had had it. The grass was too long around the house and underneath the old clothesline. And so she said, Dad, Fern's got to get out there and get that mowed before anything else happens. So dad reluctantly came up to me and said, here's the deal. You got to get it mowed fast because we got a lot of real work to do. So I went out and got the mower, did what I always did, choked it, grabbed the old handle, gave her a pull nothing. <laughs> Pulled it a couple more times. I mean, this thing didn't even fire. So I'm scratching my head. I'm going, oh, great. This is good. So don't panic. My dad had been teaching me about engines and all of that stuff. So I thought, so it's not firing. It maybe is a spark plug. So I ran into the shop. I got a spark plug wrench, pulled the plug, and it was a mess. Nasty looking. Took the plug back into the shop, cleaned it off, checked the gap, did like my dad showed me, reattached it to the spark plug wire, and then just pulled the old cord a little bit, and sure enough, there was spark. Should be it. Put the plug back in, made sure that old wire was on good, gave it a pull, boom, nothing. Gotta be kidding me. So I started thinking, air. Dad always says it won't run if it doesn't have air. So I ran and got a screwdriver, pulled the air filter off, it was a disaster. I'd put it away dirty from the, the spring or fall before. And so I got that thing off, cleaned it all off, blew it out, washed it out, squeezed it out, put a little drop of oil on it so it would collect dust, reattached the thing. I thought, okay, good to go. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I tried it with the choke, without the choke. I was sweating and getting frustrated and almost ready to resort to kicking and cussing. That's kind of the way it went those days. My dad walked up behind me and said, what are you doing? I said, ah, oh, dad, this thing won't start. I pulled the spark plug. I checked the gap, did the air cleaner. My dad, in an unusually calm way, just bent down and unscrewed the gas cap, looked in, looked at me and went, you gotta be kidding me. Walked over, got some gas, put gas in the tank, one pull, boom, and then he looked at me and said, would you quit messing around? Ah, I couldn't believe it. True story. So life lesson, if there's nothing in the tank, you are not gonna run. I mean, you might have some spark, you might even be getting air, but if there's nothing in the tank, this is not going to work. So this Sunday in the church here is Pentecost Sunday. And we're going to be looking at what the scripture says about the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. L let me read for you from John's Gospel, John chapter 7. These are the words of Jesus, starting at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, when Jesus spoke those words, um, we're not on the day of Pentecost. This is before that. We're talking about a Jewish festival, though, when, when we talk about Pentecost. Sometimes we forget that Christianity flowed out of the message that God had given his people, Israel, for generations and generations. On the celebration of what we call Pentecost, there was a Jewish festival uh, called Shavuot. It, it literally was a celebration of 50 days or, or seven weeks since the Passover had been celebrated. This was very significant for the people of Israel, especially when it came to remembering the giving of the law to Moses. There at Mount Sinai, when the law was given, they saw this as a phenomenal gift from God. And at the celebration of Pentecost, or Shavuot, they would remember not just the, the giving of the good gifts of God and harvest, but also that incredible gift of his word. For Christians, when we think of the day of Pentecost, we often think of that promise of God that was fulfilled when the Spirit of God would come and indwell all believers for the first time in this way in all of human history. It was interesting, though, as I was reading these past weeks, when I started to think about the giving of the law, the Word, and on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I was reminded of a verse of scripture that comes from John chapter 6, verse 63. Here's what it says. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. It's almost a sense that on the day of Pentecost, as we think about it, it is a coming together of the word of God that was given and the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit that comes on that same festival celebration of Pentecost. So the last time that I had a chance to speak with you, I talked about the faithful promises of God. Today I'd like to talk about the powerful promise of God and the one who makes that promise. Now throughout the Old Testament, we hear of the work of the Holy Spirit, the promise of God. But Jesus in his ministry, especially as he was gathered in that upper room for the last time with his disciples, just before he would go to the cross, speaks so much of the promised coming Holy Spirit. Listen in the Old Testament of the faithful promise of God. You remember maybe the words of Joshua when, when Joshua would say that, Every promise that God had made, he had kept and fulfilled. That has not changed. When God makes a promise, he keeps a promise. 
And that still is the way it works today. God is a promise-keeping God. Jesus speaks a promise that you can count on as we think about these verses today. Today we hear Jesus in this portion and throughout the Gospel of John, especially as we look at it today, saying again what the promise of God will be concerning the Spirit of God. Now, for the Jewish listener, they had a rich background. They had understood, they had heard the word of God for generations. In Genesis 1, listen to the reference of the Spirit of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There, within the first two verses of of revealed scripture, you see the presence, the moving of the Spirit of God. In the book of Exodus, we see the powerful moving of God in ways visible, some ways not visible. It tells even in the, the building of the tabernacle of one who is endowed by the Holy Spirit, gifted in special ways to do tasks that God had called him to do. In 1 Samuel 15, when Samuel anoints a young guy named David who would become the king, listen to what it says. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. This was the work of God in the life of that young shepherd boy. The oil, symbolic of that coming, empowering Holy Spirit. The prophet Ezekiel, years later, would pen these words in chapter 37. These are powerful. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. That's exciting. It's the promised Holy Spirit proclaimed in the Old Testament. And, of course, these famous words from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4, when he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When Jesus begins to teach on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when he begins to make that promise of what God had already promised, this is a promise you can count on. Listen to what Jesus says as he speaks of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 14 says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, And to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word there for the spirit is parakaletos. It literally means one called alongside and has has various meanings. It can mean one called to be a counselor, an advocate. It's one who comes alongside to comfort, to encourage, a helper, someone who stands with you. Someone who comes to befriend you. The comforter, the advocate. 
would be powerful help for these believers that would soon experience what it was to, to see Jesus ascend into heaven, but he would not leave them alone. He would be with them forever by his spirit, and he would bring powerful, powerful truth. In John 14 at verse 25, Jesus says this, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, there it is again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, the promised one that the Old Testament proclaimed, that Jesus proclaimed. He would come. Think about this. Ah, the Spirit will cause you to remember all that I have spoken to you, that I would hear but also remember exactly when I need to remember what Jesus has said. Oh, this is a powerful promise. And this is another promise from John 15. All of this in that upper room discourse as they're gathered together before Jesus would go to Gethsemane. John 15, 26, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. One of the marks of the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, one of the the ways to say, is this the Spirit of God at work, is that the Holy Spirit always bears witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. He testifies of Jesus. Wherever you worship, whether at Triumph or somewhere else, find a church where the name of Jesus is clearly and confidently lifted up. This is the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God's promise. A promise made by Jesus that you can count on. He doesn't end here. Listen to chapter 16. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, that the name of Jesus be exalted, that the Spirit of God would come and encourage us and walk with us, comfort us from the inside out as it had never happened quite like this in all of human history. Power that will guide you and direct you into all truth. Power that will always empower you to bring glory and honor to Jesus. And who's this promise for? Oh, I love this. Listen again to the words we read earlier. This is verse 37 toward the end. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Who's this promise for? Pretty wide-reaching. Anyone who is thirsty. 
You thirsty in your life? We all are. We thirst for so many different things. I mean, we thirst for meaning and purpose. Sometimes we, we thirst for security. Sometimes we are so thirsty for security that we will forgo the things that we know right and begin to seek security in things that never were meant to give us security. Sometimes that's in relationships we know aren't right. We step in just because of a need to be loved and cared for. Sometimes we seek security in things or position or control or power. Dear one, all those places where we search to have that thirst quenched in our lives will leave us disappointed. It's when I need to hear again those incredible words of Jesus, come to me, you who are thirsty, and I'll give you a drink. Come to me and drink, Jesus said. Are you thirsty? You get thirsty in this dry and weary land. You get thirsty as a believer when world has treated you hard, when you're going through circumstances that just deplete you, that empty you out. Hear Jesus say to you, come to me and drink all you who are thirsty. And finally, that promise that Jesus made, the promise that the Old Testament prophets referred to, all of it would come to fruition. The promise would be fulfilled just as Jesus said it would on the day of Pentecost. I want to read for you the account. It's from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because they heard their own languages being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? I mean, think about this. All of these Jews from all over the known world had gathered together. People of different tribes and languages even. Gentiles had come to celebrate that festival we call Pentecost. And on that day, the Spirit of God, as Jesus promised, comes and empowers those new believers. And he enables them to speak a word in a language they didn't even know. Why? So that the name of God would be glorified. And they would know that this was God speaking through simple Galilean fishermen. How could this be? They were hearing of the wonders of God. And of course, some of them began to mock. And they, they would say this, they've had too much wine. They accused him of being drunk. 
It was then that Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. He said this, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It's exactly as Jesus had said. You know, in Acts chapter 1, one of the last things Jesus would say to his disciples, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They gave testimony of the powerful works of God, even in languages they didn't know, because God empowered them to proclaim that message. And Peter, when the Spirit of God comes upon Peter, he's a changed man. This was a man who not so long ago had denied Christ three times for fear of the people around him. And now, in that same city of Jerusalem, he stands with a boldness he's never known and with an authority that caused the people there to listen. And Peter would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus indeed was Messiah, the promised one, that he had come and was crucified, dead, raised again to life, and now extends to all who would believe the promise of new life. And what a difference the Holy Spirit would make in Peter. Because on that day, when Peter pointed to Jesus, 3,000 people repented and turned from their sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes because we need him. The Holy Spirit comes because Jesus promised he would. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who comes to indwell all who believe. I remember a day on the farm. I'd finished my last water a little after noon. And by about four o'clock on that hot day, I was sitting on that 806 International, no cab. I was baking and I was, I was so thirsty. And I mean, I had squeezed every little drop out of that water cooler we had. I was so desperate, I started thinking about any place I could get water. I, I thought about drinking out of the slough. Ugh, that would have been bad. And then I remembered Dad had parked an old service truck about a half mile away. On the back of that service truck was an old tank that we'd used for diesel fuel, but he'd been hauling water in it recently. You know, I actually got off the tractor and I went down there and I opened up the spigot and I fortunately smelled that water and it smelled more like diesel than it did water. 
I was desperately thirsty. Are you desperately thirsty? Feeling emptied out? <laughs> like there's nothing in the tank to get you going? Can I remind you of the words of Jesus? Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Oh, it sounds so much like the words spoken in the last chapter of our Bible. From the book of Revelation, this invitation, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. On this Pentecost Sunday, may we say, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. And fill and quench this thirsting in my soul. Let's pray. Jesus, you who knows us best and loves us most, know exactly that we need you by your Spirit to come and indwell us to fill us to overflowing, that your life might not just fill us up, but then begin to flow out, that we might tell the good news of who you are, Jesus, as we experience the good news of who you are in the everyday of our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, do this work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.